You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I am Pete from Do You Even Blog? This is Steve Stewart from Steve Stewart Podcast Productions. This is Piggy. This is Kitty. And we're from BitchesGetRiches.com. We are very good at using our mouth sounds to articulate thoughts and ideas. It's true, which is why we're on... To the What's Up Next podcast. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Next, where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. Welcome. This is Paul David Thompson. And this is Doc G. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Okay, I can guarantee you today that we're going to have a lot of fun on the podcast. And we're asking the question of several esteemed podcasters and bloggers about the question, should you start a podcast? And so let's just jump right into the conversation and ask each of these podcasters, new to podcasters, bloggers to give us a quick introduction and then we will jump into the conversation. Steve Stewart from Steve Stewart Podcast Productions. I was a blogger who had a podcast, then I got paid to edit somebody's show, then I got good at it because somebody was throwing money at it. So I became known in the FinCon community as the person to go to to help produce the audio, which would alleviate them the pain of having to edit themselves. I run doyouevenblog.com, which is a blog, podcast, YouTube channel. I have actually sent out snail mail before, so I'm reaching people on a whole new level here. I just like to do fun things on the internet. So I'm not specifically podcast or blogger, but I'll just identify as that. Fun things on the internet person. So we are Piggy and Kitty, and we just launched our podcast in real time, which is also called Bitches Get Riches. We liked the first name so much that we were like, we're not going with another one. Why mess with a good thing? If it ain't exactly. broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Exactly. And we um, don't know what we're doing at all. So uh, no. we, we're really just here to gain insight from the other panelists and hopefully sound a little bit like we're knowledgeable, but all bets are off. Yeah. I want you guys to bear with me for a second. I'd like to start the podcast with this. <laughs> So can you. 
if only people could see your faces as I was playing this and Piggy and Kitty were rocking out to it. So, <laughs> Kitty, Kitty, tell me about the backstory for your theme song. Okay. So we had made a list of things that we wanted out of a podcast. And one of the top things was short, for the love of God, short, because there are already so many really, really good podcasts that we listen to on the reg that are 45 minutes long, an hour long. 90 minutes or longer. And we were just like, that's just not us. We want something that you can listen to while you're brushing your teeth in the morning. So we were like, all right, we need like a really fast, quick, really good opening. And we kind of listed out some of the ones that we liked. And this is a great bit of Bitches Get Riches back lore is that (laughs) the way that Picky and I met was we were randomly assigned freshman year roommates in our college. And we always would come up with hilarious songs and Piggy would play the guitar and I would play like a tambourine and we were just like improvise these like odd extremely unfunny <laughs> songs that would only rhyme when we would come up with the rhyme otherwise we we're like mm, no rhyming yeah so this this is something we've always liked doing and I really wish that I could take a lot of credit for this but what actually happened is Piggy went off the grid for about four hours <laughs> and then she came back and she was like I have a son <laughs> our podcast theme. And she sent it to me and I had my my husband and one of our, our mutual friends was sitting with me and I played it and we were just, just screaming. We were like, this is perfect. It has everything we wanted. We wanted something that was catchy and made you excited to want to listen, but also that was like corny and embarrassing. That's exactly our brand. So it's all you, Piggy. It's all you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. And I think that's a, a great way to sort of, you know, set me up for success. But yeah, I I literally was like, what does it say about us? So it's a little bit Viva Las Vegas. It's a little bit sitcom intro. And uh, yeah, I just played around with a couple of different versions until I found something I liked. And uh, I do want to give a shout out to my friend Paul from Confluence Music, who I did want it to sound good. You know, it couldn't just be like me and the guitar. So he owns a recording studio and he sat me down in the studio and I played it through once. And he was like, hmm, I think we can punch this up a bit. So he actually wrote the bass line and plays the majority of the instruments. And we well. have a horn section. That's yeah, there's a horn section. We made it. We have a yeah. horn section. We have a horn section. So, you know, Paul was really instrumental in taking my cheesy acoustic guitar and vocal line and just, you know, really achieving the vision of the corniness and the cheesiness and having a fucking horn line. And it's your voice, though. Oh, yeah. I moonlight as a uh, a singer-songwriter. You can see me at the Gold Spot open mic and the Local 46 open mic and various open mics around the city. I've been, you know, singing and, and playing guitar for years. So I knew when we started the podcast, I was just like... I must write the theme song. I must write and perform. So yeah, that's all me. So Steve, I want to go from the fun and silly to the serious a little bit. As I was listening to their theme song, when I first listened to the episode, I'm like, wow, nowadays it's really hard to set yourself apart. And I saw in a blog post in 2014, you actually asked the question, has podcasting reached its peak? And your answer then was no. And I'm wondering what your answer would be today coming to the end of 2019. Has podcasting reached its peak? 
Well, first of all, thanks for having me follow that because that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't reached its peak. I mean, if you look at the number of blogs that are out there, it hasn't reached its capacity yet. Although we could say that there's a lot of blogs out there that they don't really get a lot of views. We're not even a tenth of that. And with the advent of making it easier to listen to podcasts and with these smartphones, they've just made it a completely different animal. So no, it hasn't reached its peak. I do love the branding idea. You know, a lot of people, they get into the podcast arena and they're like, oh, what do I do? I got to buy a piece of music and get a professional voiceover artist. Yeah, you could do that. But you could see there what they just did, what Kitty and Peggy just did was, you know, something that's unique and it totally, like you said, fits your brand. Love it. And Steve, podcasting is not a new medium. I mean, you were podcasting in 2010. You did over 200 episodes of the Money Plan SOS podcast. This has been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dave Jackson's been podcasting about podcasting since 2005. I got a guy here in St. Louis, been podcasting since 2005. It's not a new medium. It's just a lot more widely accepted. A lot easier to consume too. So that's why it's growing. Talking about podcasting, about podcasting, or podcasting about blogging, Pete, this is not your first podcast. Do you even blog? Is it true that you started podcasting in 2009? And what happened back then? Absolutely. I went to a place called Bargain Hunt down the street in Little Rome, Georgia, where I'm from. And I was like, what is that over there? For Dummies books. I love For Dummies books. So I'm going over there. I'm looking through the For Dummies books. And literally, I still have it to this day. I bought a podcasting For Dummies book. Oh, that sounds pretty fun. That's pretty cool. I listened to the Adam Carolla show, which was one of the first bigger ones that started to get like widespread adoption. I was like, I'm totally going to do that. No big deal. So I picked up this book and being the nerd I am, read the podcasting For Dummies book cover to cover. Who does that? Nobody. I did that. I didn't have a podcast whatsoever. It just so happens that two college friends of mine I marched drumline with ages ago, they reached out and they were like, uh, hey, we saw you have a blog at this point. Do you do any podcasting as well? I'm like, yeah, totally. I'm a podcaster. I had no idea what I was doing. They started a sports podcast. It's still out there. You can go look to it. It's terrible. It's called the Sports Chop Shop. And I was their producer and editor for all of like six months. And that project, thankfully, died <laughs> dead in the water. But I kept up my interest and uh, yeah, I've been dabbling in audio ever since then. Eventually got back into 2016, 2017 doing it more full time. But yes, the rumors are true. And is podcasting for dummies a good introduction book? for the rest of us in case we're going out and learning how to do this? <laughs> Only if they've updated it since 2009. If you can find the 2009 copy, I would say no. That's a terrible idea. It's going to do nothing but turn people off from starting a podcast whatsoever. It's going to seem overwhelming. You have to be a professional audio engineer. It's that sort of book. 2019 and beyond, I hope they've updated it. But I know people like Steve and myself and a billion other people out there who are trying to get people to start, the advice would be way different. Kitty, after listening to Pete and Steve talk, obviously they've been doing this, you know, almost for a decade. What made you guys decide to want to jump into podcasting now? Why leave your medium of blogging, which you're comfortable with and good at? And, you know, the second part of that question would be, why not go straight to video or even bypass audio? I think for us, we write exactly like we speak. And if you have met us and you know us, you can hear how we we would deliver a joke in writing. You can hear it in our voices. So because I, I think we've talked a lot about how both Piggy and I have very strong voices. So kind of the podcasting medium made a lot of sense for that. We had talked about the possibility of video and very quickly dropped it because talking to fellow industry folks, it's a really valuable potential tool for monetizing, which is a big thing for us because we try to be 100% donor funded. So we're always looking for those monetization streams, but it really 
sucks being on video when you are a lady. There is a lot more of an expectation that you look good and you be well lit and like people will like jump into the comments to talk about like your hair and your clothing and yeah, I don't have time to put makeup on every day. I, yeah. <laughs> we're just like the expectations for video are so, so, so high. And we're like, we just want to chat with people. And the podcasting format, I think, is more intimate even than video because I know how I listen to podcasts. When I am listening to a podcast that I love, I'm bringing that host with me while I'm running errands. I am on a road trip with that host. I am gardening with that host. I'm painting my bedroom with my host in my underwear. And that is more intimate, I think, than just like queuing up a video, which you can't necessarily do as easily. It requires a little bit more attention. I know some people like play videos, but I really don't. So yeah, I think that the intimacy of it also really spoke to our brand. Yeah, audio is way more interesting to me than video right now. It's kind of like that thing where people talk about movies versus books and they're like, oh, books are so much better because you can kind of imagine the details of like what this character looks like. And when you watch a movie, it's kind of done for you a little bit, right? You think about podcasting versus YouTube or any other video platform, video, you are sucked into their world. Audio, they are in your world. Like you're exercising, you're gardening, you're doing other things. It is the only, as far as I'm aware, somewhat passive content like you can't exercise and watch YouTube, really. You can't garden and watch YouTube either. Like you'd have to glance back and forth and you can't garden and also read blogs. Like you'd have to glance, but like you don't need to use your eyes. And so therefore you can consume audio content while doing other things. The audio content is kind of being brought into your world. Whereas you're watching a video, you're kind of sucked into their world, the YouTuber's world, if that makes any sense. So I think given the state of podcasting, it's a lot more opportunity for growth, in my opinion, over video right now. I just really like the way you put that. I really agree. 100%. And I really hope the whole like book versus movie, like you can use your imagination thing. Like I really hope that our listeners imagine us being like way more put together, attractive, cool, mm-hmm. stylish than we really are. One of the most common comments we get when we tell people that we're recording both audio and video is they say, oh, just don't do with anything with the video because I have a face made for podcasting. I can't tell you how many times we've heard that comment. Steve, tell me, you seem to be very pro-audio. And in fact, I think you were pro-audio back in 2014, 2015. I heard you on another podcast talking about when you first interacted with Paula Pant and Jay Money about when they started their podcast. Why audio? Why is it so important? Because if you compare video, podcasting, and blogging, you know, blogging, it's just like when you write somebody an email, it could be interpreted incorrectly. The perception of the message doesn't always come through. Video, there's an expectation We've just been told how to watch TV, how to watch a movie. You watch the screen and your attention is there. And it's usually coming out of speakers where with podcasting, we can listen through our smartphones. We can tie our smartphones to a Bluetooth speaker. We can use the earbuds. We can take it with us anywhere we go. So it's a much more intimate medium because we can listen ourselves. We usually aren't sharing a podcast with somebody else as we're listening at the same time. I think audio is fantastic. And you know, we've all grown up listening to music. You can see behind me, the people in this room, I've got a whole wall of vinyl records. So I've been in audio for a very, very long time. But the medium podcasting, it's that personal connection with my listener. Now, my listeners, my listener, each and every one at a time, that is so much better in my mind than video and blogging and stuff like that. 
Piggy, I feel like the bitches get riches have this wonderful brand as bloggers. And I think it's a very well-respected brand. People know, in a sense, what to expect when they come to your blog and read one of your posts. How do you think podcasting will change your brand and will it change your audience? That's a really interesting question. I feel like we've had this uh, long-running series on the blog called Ask the Bitches. And our new podcast, like Kitty said, is really short form. We put it, basically, it's Q&A. So it kind of models after those Ask the Bitches segments on the blog. It's just kind of an expansion of that. And we're hoping that that ties it in well and it's it's something that people expect of us. But I also feel like, you know, maybe we'll dial back the Ask the Bitches content on the blog and sort of move that over to the podcast, which is sort of a more natural version. I'll also add that we think a lot about accessibility. And one of the things that's great about podcasting is that if you are someone who has difficulty focusing for a long time to read a blog, maybe if you are someone with dyslexia, someone with ADHD, I myself have ADHD, and I just find it much easier to absorb things through listening. So we're kind of also trying to target the same demographic, but people who absorb information differently. It's almost a cliche at this point to talk about people who are auditory learners versus visual learners versus experiential learners. So we're, we're trying to capture the same demographic, mm-hmm. same voice, but hopefully reach some folks who 3,000 word long blog post is a non-starter. <laughs> I also want to add, so I work in the book publishing industry, so I'm constantly concerned about book sales. And everyone was concerned when ebooks, at the rise of ebooks, that like, you know, book sales would drop or that ebook sales would replace the book sales. Same thing, now we're kind of in this renaissance of audio books. And what we found sort of across the industry is that ebook and audiobook sales aren't having kind of a one-to-one replacement factor with the paper book sales. What we're finding is more people are reading through these different mediums. So it's actually, we're selling more books because the ebooks and the audiobooks, those sales are in addition to the paper book sales rather than replacement of. So our hope is, is that that kind of model will translate to the BGR podcast and that it's not going to be people leaving the blog or just people sort of in addition to the blog, but that we'll find, you know, more followers and more followers makes it sound like we're a cult, which we absolutely are. Hashtag bitch nation. But yep. we'll find a larger audience. Yeah, Pete's wearing a Bitches Get Riches t-shirt right now. I just want all listeners to know he is a dedicated citizen of the bitch nation cult. But uh, yeah, so we're just hoping it's going to help us reach a wider audience of people who are a little more open to that podcast format than they are to the 2000 word long blog post format. So Pete, riff on this idea a little bit. I mean, you produce a podcast about blogging. Are there differences between the mediums? I mean, are your avatars different for each of them? I would argue yes, most definitely, certainly. You know, I'm going to take your question and run with it. I think this is going to answer it, but I kind of want to go back to talking about the bitches and their brand for a second, especially Piggy was talking about like books versus audiobooks and all this different stuff. Part of what I preach from my little soapbox here in Peatland is to build brands. I can't stand that word. It's a total buzzword <laughs> in marketing, but quite frankly, I like what it kind of represents. I tell people to build brands and audiences that will follow you from a podcast or a blog or snail mail once the internet explodes and you know some catastrophe, people that will follow you no matter what. And I think for me, and probably the bitches too, I would imagine it's about knowing who that audience is, like those avatars. It might be different people that listen to the podcast versus read the blogs. It might be, but we're still targeting a very specific person. The bitches are targeting somebody different than I am, would do even blog, than Steve is, than Doc and Paul are. 
And I don't actually care what medium people find me with. I care about helping those people. I want people to quit their jobs and start blogging full time and figure out a way to make that work. That's what I want to do. And my audience is those sorts of people. I do think that avatars are different, but I could kind of care less. I care more about my specific audience, regardless of the medium. I know it's not exactly what you asked, Doc, but that's the way I tend to think about brands, specifically mine in general. And I don't know, I'd like to think I've seen Kitty and Piggy do uh, really well with that for the blog and now the podcast too. Thinking about, again, sort of like a cliche piece of advice that I have heard about writing that I'm sure has been appropriated into other callings as well is if you could be happy doing anything else, go do that because writing is very time and labor intensive. It requires so much of you and you work so alone usually to, you know, 95% of it. And whatever you think, it's going to be like, oh, glamorous and easy and you will be respected if you do these things. When in reality, the vast majority of people who make their living as writers, they are content creators for some insurance company, you know, writing white papers. There are very few people who are out there writing the great American novel. And I I think I kind of feel the same way about podcasting. I think it's easy to listen to a podcast that is just like effortlessly funny or insanely well-researched. And you don't know that like you're listening to like a triple A podcast, like a Freakonomics. There's tons of writers, tons of researchers, tons of marketers who are putting in hours to make that podcast sound as good as it possibly can. And I think sometimes it can be really tempting to think that, oh, this is so cool. I want to do that. And I want to tell people like, if you can be happy doing anything else, go do anything else because you can be successful doing it, but it's a crowded market and it takes a lot of work, a lot more work than you would ever think. Steve, speak to what Kitty just said. Do the majority of podcasters go in thinking it's going to be easier than it truly is? I imagine editing especially is a place where people stumble. The answer is yes, because Dan Miller said this at Podcast Movement a few years ago. The great thing about podcasting is it's easy to start a podcast. The horrible thing about podcasting is it's easy to start a podcast. Anybody can buy a microphone with a USB connection, plug into their computer and start yapping away. And I'm not one of those who evangelize that everybody should start a podcast. I mean, you hear it all the time. Anybody who has a podcast like, you should start podcasting. It's the second most evangelized thing next to CrossFit. Don't start a podcast if you really don't want to start a podcast. And if you do start a podcast, know that it's going to cost you a lot of time. It's more time than money. And if it doesn't cost you a lot more time than money, you're doing it wrong or you are paying to have somebody help you with it, which then makes the product better. Don't make a crappy podcast. Don't just get on the microphone and yap away with your buddy while you're drinking beers. Have a plan. And like Pete said, like Kitty and Piggy have done, create a brand and a movement behind your cult. Pete, is a crappy sounding podcast a turnoff? I mean, do you listen and say, oh, that's good content. I'm willing to deal with the extraneous sounds and the lack of editing, or is that enough reason to just not listen? No, there's no excuse for producing bad audio in 2019. In 2009, there's totally great excuses for not producing good audio. In 2019, there's no excuse. But however, I want to present a counterpoint to everybody who just spoke. First of all, I agree. We have to be telling people it is time consuming, It's not as easy as it seems for damn sure. And yeah, it can cost money if you hire an editor. It is hard and it's saturated. Set your expectations. However, let me be the person to say, please start and do bad content. The only way to get the good podcast is to have a bad podcast first. I don't care who you are. You're not going to study your way towards a good podcast. You're going to have to get on a microphone. You're going to have to hit publish and put something out into the universe before it gets good. Unless you just spent years and years in radio 
where you're just like so experienced, like a Joe Saul Cihai from Stacking Benjamins or somebody like that who can just snap their fingers and make that transition, you're not going to have a good podcast. And don't let me, don't let Steve Stewart, don't let anybody dissuade you from doing it if you know it's something you want to try and you know you have those expectations that it's going to be tough. The audio quality, the show segments and formatting and how to use voice inflection to get your points across, those come with time. Please don't let it stop you from starting. You know it's something you want to do. You understand it's going to be tough, or at least it's going to require a lot of your time to learn how to do. Please start. Please start. It's 2019. Audio tools are better than ever. Please start. All right. So most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is... There's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing, and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later... You have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
Kitty, you know, I'm wondering if what Pete says hits home with you a little bit. Did you guys come at this as we want this to be well-polished from episode one? Or was it more like we just need to jump in and assume the first few episodes might not sound as good as the last few? So we got really, really good advice from, especially I think Tanya and Kara uh, over at uh, The Fairer Sense. Their suggestion, and I think it was a fantastic one, was plan to never publish your pilot episode. Like we used our Patreon donors as kind of a test audience and released an episode to them and said like, what do you think? Like give us some general feedback. And that feedback was insanely valuable. I think at the end of the day, quality is not our number one concern in the sense of production values. Quality is our number one concern with the content of what we are telling people. If I'm giving you life-saving advice, who cares if the quality is a little tinny? Like, I can deal with that. I know some people really just are driven to distraction by bad audio. I personally am not. And there are a lot of extraordinarily successful podcasts where I'm like, did y'all just record this on your phone in the bathroom? Like, what is going on with this (laughs) section? And you know what? If I'm laughing or if I'm learning, if I'm having fun while I'm listening, if I'm engaged, it doesn't bother me very much. So I'm really curious what that specific advice from your early beta users were that you changed in the episode that we've now heard. Honestly, we changed very little overall. We got some good stuff about like audio quality that we have been able to adapt into practice. But in general, the biggest piece of feedback that we got back was that folks wanted it to be longer, which we took as a good sign that it was actually the correct length. Because one of the most important things for us was having a a nice and short podcast. And so we were like, great, if we left people wanting more, that means they will subscribe. That means they will come back to listen. It doesn't mean that we have to turn everything into a 40 minute topic. Yeah, we also got the advice that, or the feedback that they wanted uh, higher energy, that the scripted bits of the podcast, which are really just, you know, the intro and the conclusion and the bit in the middle about, you know, whatever sponsor and it's, spoiler alert, it's usually just our Patreon donors, that those scripted bits sound like too scripted and too robotic. And we had originally like had this idea where we were like, well, let's like sound like we're kind of like having a quiet conversation in the library. And like that just didn't land and that just wasn't us anyway. And our Patreon donors know us very well, I think. And they immediately caught on to that. And they were like, yeah, what? What are you guys doing there? So we were just like, all right, well, we need to have a glass of whiskey or, you know, insert alcohol here before every episode. And we need to have like, just like a 10 to 20 minute, like unscripted chat to lead us into the episode so that like we're warmed up and, you know, we're ourselves and we're not sort of trying to put on this fake robotic act. You know, they're tuning in because they like our voices and they want us to be ourselves, I assume, from that feedback. So how could we get into that mode instead of sort of being too stiff? Steve, Kitty mentioned that one concern was that the podcast would be too long. And I've noticed in my mind, I feel like there are long form and short form podcasts, right? Some that go 15 to 20 minutes, others that go an hour plus. And then there's even some that will vary and will have some longer episodes and some shorter. Is there a right formula? I mean, is the hour long podcast on its way out and we're going to much shorter form like we are with Twitter and Instagram? No, I'd say the format has to serve, again, what your brand is and your message. And if you think about it, if you're doing interviews, it's going to take 15, 20 minutes just to get that going and be into the meat of it. And it's going to take another five, 10 minutes to get out of it. And that's not including any kind of 
teaser or you know introduction to your show, you're going to get into 30, 35 minutes easy if it's going to be some kind of interview, unless you cool it down like a lot of the audio dramas and the you know narrative type of things. But then you can look at some of those long form ones, and if you have the opportunity to sit and listen to an hour long, you know, for anything podcast when she's talking to somebody deep about a topic like mindset, patience, it's just fantastic stuff. You learn so much. It's more like an education than entertainment. But then you can listen to something like Stacking Benjamins, which is over an hour long every episode, but every segment is only about 15 minutes long. So it's like four or five different episodes within one. So there's no right answer to that. I subscribe to two podcasts, which are two minutes long. One is an update, a daily update about podcasting. Another one is Merriam-Webster's Word of the Day. If they were longer than two minutes, I'd unsubscribe. Pete, I've noticed you're one of those people who varies the length quite a bit. Is that something that's very purposeful on your part? Do you like to try to vary it up so that your audience never gets quite comfortable with one format? In retrospect, sure. That really sounds great. But the honest truth is that I've been doing what I want to be doing. It's funny. I was just editing a podcast episode uh, with James Crudlin, who runs podnews.net. That's what Steve was just talking about. And I was reading an iTunes review because that's what they tell you to do. Oh, read some of your iTunes review and encourage your listeners. Okay, well, I'm I'm giving that a shot. (laughs) iTunes review is a four star, not a five star. And it was like, the Do You Blog podcast is fantastic. Great guest. I love the interviewer, except for the fact that he rambles way too much. And the iTunes review literally said something like, stop the rambling and I'll give you a five-star review. And I laughed. I had a good chuckle and I said, not my people. I like to run my podcast like Tim Ferriss runs his podcast. That's why I started the podcast. It's because I was missing a long form, deep dive, very conversational, low edited chat with the people that I cared about, which are online entrepreneurs. And so I created that. And the same thing goes with like my short form episodes, which are generally just me, like the solo shows. I just wanted to do it and I wanted to try it. And I had content that I wanted to put in front of people. And so I just did it. And in retrospect, it probably is good. It kind of gives people several options. I'm also one that doesn't care about downloads. Like I don't care if you listen to 20 minutes and then stop or if you just delete, 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 looking for the solo shows that are shorter. That's great. Good for you. I was just doing the content that I wanted. So Kitty, what do you think is the goal? Is it downloads? Is it interaction? What do you think will make this new podcast successful to you? World domination. First of all, yeah, never settle for less than world domination. Second of all, I think we rather purposefully never have goals in terms of engagement or numbers. We're not really super interested in that. What we want is to get emails from people saying, I followed the steps that you outlined and I got a $10,000 a year raise. And thank you. you. That really came at the right time to change my life. That is the feedback that we want. That's the reaction that we want. That's really the only metric that we care about. So if we were making something and we got no engagement whatsoever, we never got those kinds of emails or heard those kinds of stories, we'd probably stop and assume that we weren't making a a positive change in the world, which is ultimately what we want to do, not to be corny about it, but I think that's the truth. Steve, podcasting is hard. In fact, you at one point talk about pod fading or the seven show itch. Do you want to talk about what those mean? Yes. Pod fading is, I I think the name kind of fits it really well. You try it and then you give up. And the reason is usually because if you think about it, most podcasts episodes are released once a week. So seven episodes is not even two months. If you put an episode out there, the first one, and you tell everybody about it, now you start to grow a little bit of an audience. But if it doesn't grow very fast or very far, then by the seventh episode, you get frustrated and they give up. 
and it takes at least three months to get just a rhythm and a flow, but then it takes three years to be successful. They've seen studies where it takes about three years to actually kind of make it in podcasting where you've got a, a real solid audience, you know your message, you've got all the, the nooks and crannies taken care of. So it takes a little while to grow that audience. And that's why pod fading is so prevalent in podcasting because it's just so it's so hard to start a show and get some kind of feedback that you need to make you feel like it's successful to keep you going through the hard times. Pete, do you think monetization is also an issue? Do you think many people go in thinking that they're going to make money with their podcast and realize within months that that's a very difficult thing to do and then fade out? I do believe it is an issue. And in fact, I think it's actually a lot deeper issue than all of us tend to realize. I'll give a slight cop out and point people, maybe you can put this in the show notes, to a recent podcast by Seth Godin. I believe it is just called Meta, M-E-T-A. He's brilliant. Seth Godin, my favorite marketer ever, a podcast about podcasting. And he talks about the issues of monetization. Specifically, well, how are you going to monetize a podcast? Sponsorships? How else? Like building people like an online brand, like into your email list, or we could talk about that for days. But the interesting part is having advertisers catch up to what podcast monetization is. It's super nerdy. I'm not going to talk here for like 45 minutes about it, but it's a work in progress to say the least. To answer your question. Yeah. I think that, I mean, we all want to make money and especially people in the online business world, like, yeah, I'm starting a podcast. Like there needs to be some ROI there. Like I want to make this work. And the unfortunate truth is that it is hard, just like you said. And then two, no one really knows what that looks like. Like getting a podcast sponsorship, it's going to depend on your niche. You're going to have to have downloads, first of all. And it's just such an up and coming thing still to this day, I would argue in 2019, that nobody really has a firm grasp on how to accomplish that. Most people figure it out the longer they do it. They might get a sponsorship or two, but in general, still a tough issue. I would say people need to manage their expectations. Piggy, you guys mentioned Patreon. Are there other monetization goals for the podcast? Have you thought about that at this point? A little bit. So, you know, we kind of famously don't monetize through anything, but our Patreon, which, you know, really has kept us going and paid the bills for the blog. And it's what even allowed us to, you know, raise the funds to start a podcast in the first place. We also have an Etsy store where we sell merch like Pete's shirt. And so far, so good. We've done the first season of the podcast completely on the funding of our patrons, but we are sort of discussing sponsors for the, the next season. It's just, we are very, very, very careful about who we choose as sponsors and sort of who we get into bed with in general, just because, you know, we're a couple of contrarian bitches and we don't want to be holden to anyone's sort of corporate brand book or their rules or whatever. And we definitely don't want to get into bed with any company that we don't really, you know, 1000% agree with or, you know, or use. So, and, you know, it, it's hard because, you know, I'm sure every financial podcaster here gets pitched by potential sponsors or affiliate marketing programs and whatever and you know people who want to use your brand to advertise themselves so it can be really tempting to be like yeah you know sponsor the next season of our podcast and you know we'll do commercials for you and whatever but uh, yeah I guess to answer the question is we have to be like really really careful about that and make sure it really aligns with our brand. Kitty Piggy already mentioned next season. Do you guys already have a full season recorded? We have 12 episodes in the can, baby. It was very important to us. So one of the great things about having another person there with you is that you get to kind of share the load in terms of the work. But in this instance, the whole editing thing is definitely on me. That is a skill set that I had independently having gone to film school originally. Hi, thank you. So uh, 
we kind of knew that it would be a heavy lift that only really one of us could do. So what we decided was we sat down for three recording sessions, did four episodes each time, and we figured recording back to back would help us kind of get that that kind of manic energy uh, that we were searching for. And also recording them all meant then at my leisure can go in and edit them when I have time instead of constantly like hustling to catch up to the next one and the next one. And oh my God, it's going to come out tomorrow. Do you have a moment to record? So yeah, I think we wanted to get as many things into the can as we could before we wanted to get moving. And this is kind of advice for podcasters and bloggers in general. I think one of the best things we did when we started the blog, bitchesgetriches.com, is we wrote 40 articles and published them before we did any publicity. So the idea was someone would come to the site based on one article and be like, hmm, this was kind of good. Let me see what else they have. Whereas if we, you know, sort of publicizing from the very first article, people would come for that article and then there was nothing else for them to engage with. So what that also allowed us to do was really solidify our voice and our brand and what we wanted to do, like what our mission was. And I think that was probably one of the best things that we could have done to ensure the success of the blog. So, you know, we sort of went that mode with the podcast as well. It's like, we're going to do, you know, a bunch all at once and make sure we really, you know, have the ball rolling before, you know, we release anything. Well, I really like that idea that you batch a couple of episodes and then produce them. But in podcasting, that can go against you because your audio quality might not be up to it where you can go back and fix a blog real quick. It's hard to go back and fix a, a recorded. But you guys did something really smart, which I've never heard anybody else do, is you had a little beta group that you already had an audience from and you have them give you that feedback and then you did the actual editing. Super smart. Yeah, I can't express enough how much I appreciate having our patrons. Like, I know this just sounds like a big commercial for Patreon or whatever, but you're right. Having that beta group of people who are literally paying to engage with our content and like paying to make sure that we keep creating it, that investment allows us to do things like just what you said, you know, having them test things. And, you know, really, if we're beholden to anyone, it's them. And if they're not happy with the product, then the people who aren't paying us and still want to engage with the product, they're not going to be happy with it either. I want to give a big shout out to people who may not have any built-in audience whatsoever, especially like patrons, like a loyal audience or whatnot. Here's what you do. You do the exact same thing, except you share it with like friends and family, but you have to ask them for negative feedback. Because if you show it to your mom, they're going to be like, that was lovely, sweetheart. But you would say like, hey, I don't want you to tell me it's good. Just give me all the critical thoughts, the critical feedback that you have. And if they start talking about the words you say or the content, that's a good sign. Like your audio quality is probably okay. If they mention anything, regardless of like, were you in the bathroom sitting on the, you know, if they do any of that, you probably need to like go back and fix your audio. The key point is like show it to family and friends, but ask for critical feedback. I totally agree. In fact, I would say even like it takes a village to raise a podcast. I think Piggy and I were were really lucky in that we we went to um, the same liberal arts school and it meant that we have close friends who are musicians. We have close friends who work in theater. We have our school had a great radio program. So we actually had all had a lot of experience with recording audio just for fun or for school projects. So having a very diverse group of friends was really really valuable in helping us kind of bounce ideas off of people, get them to help with things like, hey, can I use your recording studio and will you help me make a horn section for our intro? So having a really eclectic group of friends and really leaning on them to give you some guidance is like, 
I can't imagine how we would have gotten to this point either with the blog or, or the podcast without a lot of help, a lot of help. And so you have another season that will come out after this first season launches. Why did you choose to go down the season path versus doing a serialized podcast? So we could take a break. <laughs> That's it. Like uh, when you release things on a week to week basis and you set that expectation that no matter what rain or shine, this is going to happen. The reality is that we would be setting ourselves up for, you know, uh, she and I both still work day jobs. And there are just times when it's really busy and we can't get around to it. There are times when one of us has a cold and we sound terrible and we're coughing and we don't want to record. And we also take two weeks off in the summer and two weeks off around the winter holidays. We're big into like, let's not torment ourselves in order to hit this imaginary deadline that we've set for ourselves. Instead, having the whole season ready to go. We have no plans in terms of like how quickly season two will start coming out, but it just lets us take a break. It's very nice. <laughs> yeah. And this was advice we got from other podcasters as well. Again, we talked to Kara and Tanya of The Fairer Sense, who, you know, their podcast is, I think, three seasons old now, two or three seasons, but they're crushing it. And they do seasons and they said exactly that. It's like it gives them a chance to reset, to rest, to, you know, ensure quality so that they're never burned out. And we definitely don't ever want to get to that. And in general, you know, this is direct pro tip for anyone starting a podcast, like talk to other podcasters. We got the chance to talk to Steve at FinCon for like just a couple of minutes and he was so helpful and just his advice was like priceless. And, you know, I'm just really glad we ran into him, but it takes a village again to raise a podcast, but we're kind of all into this together and the collective knowledge of financial media folks has always been a strength of this community and it would you would be foolish not to take advantage of that sort of community knowledge. Yeah, even people who are super, super successful, it's often very surprising to me exactly how giving they are of their time and their expertise. I've never gotten just a total brush off from someone if I've asked them for help and said, they're like, oh, you want to see my numbers? Like, here, I'll open them up for you. And I'm like, you are, you are a god. Thank you so much for just being extremely generous with your expertise. It's, It's a really unique feature, I think, of especially the personal finance community. So Steve, I'm curious on your thought, serialization versus seasons. Seasons can work really well for some people. The, the thing you want to remember when you do that is you go into it and let your audience know. Because you know if they get used to hearing you every Wednesday morning, because you release on Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning, they'll be disappointed when there's not a new episode. Or you might go back and replay some of your, your classics. Of course, you got to get a nice library of uh, recordings under your belt that could be called classics by the time you do that. But yeah, the, uh, the benefit there is you do get to regroup. You do get to take a break. And you know if you think about People who work a salary job, we always talk about the two-week vacation. How does the business run without that person for two weeks? Now, how does your podcast listener feel like when you're gone for two weeks and didn't tell them? So seasons can be great to give you that break. You just got to let them know ahead of time. And it doesn't have to be anything specific as how many episodes per season and do I stop every May and come back in October? If you think about Kate Flanders and Carrie Smith had a show called Honest Conversations. I forget the title. They changed it. And they did seasons and every season when they came back had a slightly different theme. And that made it very interesting and made me want to come back for more. And it just led me through that entire storyline to where the end of the season was upon me. And then I was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do when they come back. That teaser, that cliffhanger is always very helpful if you're going to do a seasonal show. 
So I feel we should give some advice to our listeners who are thinking about starting a podcast. And there are really two questions I want to ask, which will help advise people who are listening to this and thinking about a podcast. First and foremost, how much does it cost or should it cost to start a podcast? Pete, let me start with you. How much should it cost to start a podcast? As much or as little as you wish. So my personal opinion, and people would disagree with me, I think one should spend $0 on an editor when they first start out. I think people should spend $0 on software, namely like you don't need a Zencaster or Squadcast or Hindenburg or Logic Pro or anything fancy like that for editing a podcast, you can get started with Audacity at stevestewart.me. He has a free course. Shout out to him. I don't think anybody should spend money on hardly anything else except maybe a microphone. And I don't think people should pay more than $100 for it. I think people should grab I think Steve is using an ATR 2100. I'm sure he has an affiliate link for it as well on Amazon for like 60 bucks. I think that is the most people should pay, period, when they're first starting out. The reason being, they could have the pod fade. They could quit. Seven episodes in, they lose all their money and they're like, oh, I hate this. I no longer want to do this anymore. Okay, you're out 70 bucks. What are you going to lose? Even for, like there's, again, you can probably find all this on Steve's website, quite frankly. There's a tool called Levelator that helps with editing. There's a tool called Auphonic, A-U-P-H. I literally have it open in my browser behind the, the screen we're recording at right now. It's also free to start with. It helps greatly. Oh, one more thing, hosting, podcast hosting. There are a few free options out there. It's debated whether or not they're good or not. People will say Libsyn or Blueberry or Podbean. Those are all paid. I choose Podbean because it's the cheapest unlimited plan because I like to ramble. It's 100 bucks a year or $110 a year, which is not really a whole lot. So maybe pay for hosting. There's another one called Red. Uh, the name is escaping me. They're a new startup that has 100% free podcast hosting. Uh, you could do some Googling and find that out, but definitely a microphone. And until you know you want to do it long-term, cut the cost, baby. Piggy and Kitty, were these startup costs what you expected them to be? Did you find you had to put a, a certain outlay of money out to get going? We got our podcast started for about $300. So we got two microphones and two pop screens for about 100 bucks a pop. So that was 200 And then miscellaneous costs, like we ended up going with the podcast publisher that we chose is called a Buzzsprout. Don't ask me why I chose that one. I, I researched a bunch and then got very tired and hungry and cranky and was like, we're going with this one. <laughs> And so, yeah, I agree. I think if it's just you in a microphone, less than 200, don't do any more than that. Yeah, I also want to say we're kind of in an interesting position in that we both still work full time. There are two of us, but I also freelance quite a bit on top of my day job. So, and this is sort of a, a glimpse into the inner workings of Bitches Get Riches, but the more I freelance, the less time I have for Bitches Get Riches. So the more money we make on the blog, the less I have to freelance. So we knew going into, you know, launching the podcast and everything that we would have to start paying ourselves, paying me specifically so that I could afford to freelance less. So that's kind of an unrelated, but kind of related cost. And I do want to say, you know, anyone trying to get into this, like it is a time commitment. So make sure you have the time. And if you, you know, have jobs and multiple gigs where you need to make money, like make sure you're accounting for that somehow. Steve, any thoughts on this idea of how much it costs to start a podcast? The answer is eight hours a week. Simply put, it's going to be labor intensive. You can buy the gear and those are one-off costs. 
Uh, you can hire out the services like a VA to help you get things ready to uh, schedule guests if you're going to do an interview show. You, of course, have to uh, schedule out or map out what you're going to talk about, whether that's a monologue. You know, it's a lot of mostly labor intensive. And so the cost is going to be between your time or what you pay for somebody else's time to help you to actually do it right. So, Pete, I'm going to ask this question to everyone, but I'm going to start with you. Help our audience out here, our future podcasters. What will make a podcast stand out in 2020? So, before you record anything, people don't like to do this because they get excited about something and they want to jump in with like both feet. I want to start a blog. I want to start a podcast. I'm totally one of those people. However, nothing will do a future podcaster better, especially when it comes to like standing out, building a brand that actually, you know, kind of get people's earlobes and eyeballs and helps them stick around than planning out what the show is. That's like super loaded. Let me unpack that just a little bit. A lot of people come into podcasting with like, oh, personal finance. I'm going to start a personal finance podcast. It's going to be awesome. The problem with that is that's not a show. That is a topic. Personal finance is a topic, which is great. And you need that, you know, digital marketing topic, parenting topic, personal finance topic, but you need to lay out what your show is. How long is it? Short, long. Is it interview based or is it a solo show? Do you have different segments like Stacking Benjamins or is it long and rambly and conversational like to do even blog podcasts? Is it this or is it that? What am I going to be saying? Literally map out on a sheet of paper or no card, like what the show is. I think planning ahead what the show is going to actually look like, the different segments, the layout, the time, the frequency of posting, it's going to allow people to focus more on the content and that'll help it stand out. I know it's kind of like a workaround to your question, but I think just helping produce a quality show format wise and segment wise goes a long way for helping people identify and follow a podcast. Yeah, I like to second what you said too when it comes to knowing what your show is about. When we started the What's Up Next podcast, we knew that we wanted to do next level conversations with panels of community members. And I think if we hadn't come at it with that specific plan, uh, we would have been lost during the whole first few episodes. So it was really helpful to have a clear plan as opposed to saying, we're going to be a personal finance podcast. I'm going to turn the tables on you. I want to ask a question of you and Paul. When you're starting a podcast, and I think a lot of people do start a podcast with someone else, I think that is a very interesting dynamic. And I would love to hear about how you guys arrived at working with each other. Doc is brilliant. And that really helps to find a partner, somebody else that brings them to the table that I don't, that or you don't. For example, you can put Doc into a room by himself with complete random strangers and he'll make friends with everybody just like that. I am not that person. But Doc couldn't edit a podcast to save his life. And he still can't, honestly. We found overlapping skill sets that worked for each other and we were able to get on a podcast. We did kind of like a our own little podcast, uh, a soft launch of where we just interviewed each other and we just talked. And that felt natural. And then we felt like, okay, if we take that natural conversation and bring in other people, then it'll be a good conversation. So we always wanted to think about having a really interesting conversation. That was always our angle. And anything that allowed us to be able to do that is what empowered us to have some sort of angle or niche. Because right now in podcasting, it's hard to separate yourself. There are just a lot of different people out there. And Pete said a minute ago, he said, oh, you're going to do an interview style or you're going to do a solo? I was like, wait, wait, wait. There is actually another format. And we thought of it. And I think that is what set us apart. And I'll add to that. So 
Paul and I ended up at three events in a very short period of time. We went to two Camp Fies and a FinCon all within like two months of each other. And I think what Paul says is very true. Put me in a room and you can't stop me from talking. Paul will sit in a room and say nothing until you ask him a very difficult question. And then he'll bring forth a brilliant answer that is totally in-depth and thoughtful. So I think we kind of fit together in that matter is I can be the one who's up front asking a lot of questions. And Paul often is sitting in the background, soaking it all in, and then coming out with kind of a nice overarching, brilliant question to add on top of it. So I think we just seem to fit together. So it worked, especially for this format. I want to throw it to Piggy now. Is there anything in 2020 you think will make a podcast stand out? I think just being authentic, being yourself and not trying to copy anyone else. We were at FinCon recently. We had a lot of people who we barely knew or had even heard of come up to us and be like, oh, you're starting a podcast? I'd love to be interviewed on it. And we're like, oh, well, it's actually like not an interview format. It's just us. And we do short form Q&As from readers slash listeners. And they would kind of be like, wait, what? You mean you're not going to be Choose FI? You're not going to be the, you know, all the other really amazing, successful podcasts in their formats? And I mean, we've released one episode as of this recording and so far so good, but more than anything else, more than the audience reaction, we are happy with that one episode. And that's what's going to keep us going is that we are happy with what we've done. We're proud of the format that we've chosen and, and what the podcast is to go back to what you know you were saying earlier or what Pete was saying. And I think that that's the trick to really starting any project is not to do what conventional wisdom or even what the rest of the pack is doing, but to do what you feel strongly about and what you believe in. I agree. And I think that if there's a podcast that you really, really want to make that someone is already making, get a different idea. Like if someone is has already found success doing that, it's done. And I think you will have to work 10 times harder to find success if you are competing against something that's already successful. So just be original. Steve, I feel like you were one of the early podcasters in 2010. And now in 2019, you're editing some of the biggest podcasts in the personal finance community. What do you think will stand out next year for podcasts? The ones that will make it are the ones that either A, have an existing community and they're building on top of that. Look at what Shoesify has done. The others will be the ones that have a, a personality. And you see that with a lot of the biggest podcasts that are out there, Joe Rogan, personality. Pete mentioned earlier, Adam Carolla, he had a personality. The personalities are going to stand out because those are entertainment-based and they're enjoyable to listen to, even if it is something as dry as a personal finance podcast. So personality or an established audience, that's going to help you to be successful when you start a podcast. Well, then by that definition, Piggy and Kitty are going to be just a shoe in because they have personality and they have existing a base. So you guys are, yeah, are, are. You're going to make it. I mean, it's clear. I mean, it just Steve Miles just said Piggy and Kitty in, in that statement. Just be like Piggy <laughs> and Kitty. I think listening to Doc and Paul talk about how they have this very complimentary relationship, I do feel that Piggy and I are very much the same. And I think that it can be pretty disastrous to get into doing something with a friend or a family member or, you know, a business partner. It's really a shared creative venture is a very fraught thing. And it's a great way to destroy a friendship. If you would like to destroy a friendship, go start some podcast with just you and your friends hanging out. I guarantee none of you will be invited to each other's weddings. But I think if you're going to work with somebody else, finding someone who it really completes you is the way to go. 
One more thing on top of that is when you do a podcast, you need to own it. You need to own whatever your topic or subject matter is. Don't go in iffy about something like, I think this, I think that. Own it. And if you're going to be a guest on a podcast, own your content. Own what you're going to say. Be very strong in, in your opinion. That doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to feedback. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to other people's opinions because obviously that's how we learn and grow. But I've heard it plenty of times where somebody comes on a show and they don't really own it. Maybe they're just nervous. But when you go in and you're confident about your topic, your subject matter, that totally changes the way that it's perceived in the listener's ears. The one thing that I took away from when I first started my first podcast that was real estate based, someone gave me the advice is when you're talking on the camera or on microphone, take your personality, be authentically you, but dial it up two clicks because it comes through that much more. Because I think similar advice is what Picky and Kitty got was this quiet conversation in a library that didn't really resonate with y'all's personality. And when you take your already bright personalities and just really jazz it up, then it's fun and entertaining. So take that away if you're listening to this and you're considering doing it. I mean, it's hard to talk on a microphone by yourself in a room and just like go. It's difficult. The way I was able to solve for that was just pretend like I was answering a question that somebody had asked me and then I was just like dial it up two clicks. I have two parting thoughts and I'll make them both fairly quick. There is a podcast I love called Hardcore History. He releases maybe two or three episodes a year. Think about that for a second. They're all five or six hours long. And right now he's in the middle of one talking about the Japanese culture in World War II. He has this quote that I love. He likes to describe Japanese people as just like everybody else, only more so. I always thought that was kind of fun. And so my one rule for anybody looking to start I would argue blogging or podcasting or anything that's going to touch other people is you have to be interesting. And everybody is. You just have to be yourself, only more so. There's a reason I'm being a little wild on my screen right now and I'm talking with a little crazy voice is because this is who I am, but just a little bit more so. You have to be interesting. That's point number one. Point number two, a way to do that. Like, oh, that's great, Pete. What does that even mean? I have no idea. How do I be interesting? Steve already said it. And that is to own yourself. To give you an example, the first year of my podcast, I'm totally the person that apologizes to everybody and everything all the time. I'm just that human. I would start rambling and I'd get a little off topic on the podcast and I would literally tell my guests, oh, sorry, sorry for rambling. And then I would start talking again. And eventually some friends of mine, (laughs) they reached out and they'd be like, you know how often you apologized on that show? It was like 35 times. I was like, no. And they're like, go look it up. It turns out I was. And I figured out it was because I was not fully confident. I wasn't really owning who I am and how I like to run my podcast, which is stupid because if I asked me, I'd be like, yeah, I run my podcast the way I want to. Some are long form, some are short term. I do this, I say this, I say that. But the truth is I kind of didn't feel free to do that. And so I think Steve is right. You have to own what you want to do, what you want to put out into the world, what you think will matter to people. It has to be interesting. It has to matter to people, but you just need to own it. Like whether you're going to edit or not edit, or you're going long form or short form or whatever your show is, you just have to own who you are and just be yourself only more so. Perfect. Thank you for that advice. And we'll send it right back to you, Pete. Let us know where to find you and share with the audience what is up next for you. Do you even blog.com? You can find everything there. I don't like pointing people to anywhere else. It's all there. I spent a lot of time on my homepage. Just go to do you even blog.com. You'll find the blog, the podcast. Give me your email address so I can sell you stuff later on down the road. It's all there on my homepage. Do you even blog.com. So I have a forever business model now. It's a membership community. Turns out that's what I've kind of wanted all along and I've experimented with and I finally nailed that down. So happy with it. It's called Online Impact. I don't even point people there. Just go to do even blog. But I have that and that's not coming up. You can't buy it right now. You can buy it next April in 2020. I do freelancing. I'm looking to get into podcasting. 
not going to take over Steve Stewart stuff, but just in general, I'm kind of getting into that only because I really enjoy it. Steve, how about you? Where can we find you and what's up next in your life? I'm a lot like Pete. I love what he just said. There's one place to go. It's stevestewart.me. That's Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. And it's .me because the guy who owns stevestewart.com has owned it since 1997. Yeah. I don't think he's going to give it up anytime soon. You go there. There's two big buttons right there. One's called schedule a call. Set up an appointment. Talk with me for 30 minutes. If you're thinking about starting one, I can help you. Or there's one that says edit your own. And that's where I have a course that teaches people how to use Audacity. There's a free level to get you started. Or you can take the course where I show people how I can edit faster. stevestewart.me. Piggy and Kitty, how about you guys? Where can we find you? And what is up next for you? You can find us at bitchesgetriches.com and you can link to the podcast, our Etsy store, and all of our social media there. So I I won't bore you by giving you all of the links. And uh, yeah, Kitty, what's up next for us? So I can't see any of our podcast stats until we have at least one listen on three episodes. So at the time we are recording this, we have only one out. So in full transparency, I want everyone to know that I am going to be waiting with bated breath to see if it was, in fact, anyone other than our moms. Yeah, the social equivalent of our moms. Like, my husband's like, I subscribed, and I'm like, thank you so much. Did you leave a (laughs) five-star review, though? I also want to point out, if you go to our Etsy shop, which again, you can find at bitchesgetriches.com, we have some amazing and amazingly affordable coloring books that Kitty put together. We have a debt payoff coloring book and a savings coloring book, and they are beautiful and gorgeous and useful. We do the math for you. We link you to all the advice you need. And who doesn't love coloring? So get thee to our Etsy shop, buy yourself some coloring books, and start saving and paying off your debt. This has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we wanted to thank Steve Stewart, Pete McPherson, and Piggy and Kitty from the Bitches Get Riches podcast. Episode one launched October 17th, 2019. Be prepared for lots of great content, humor, and even one or two F-bombs. If you would like to get updates on what Doc and I are thinking up next, you can text the word NEXT to 345-345 so you can get notified of free giveaways, opportunities to engage with the What's Up Next podcast, and maybe even be a guest on the podcast. We're adding consistent content to our Facebook group, and you can get access by texting the word NEXT to the number 345-345. That's a wrap. So can you. <laughs> oh, so it's literally like 12, 12 words. Yep. <laughs> Steve, our Pete's counting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay, you're, you're on whenever you're ready. Yep, I think I'm good. Okay. Can you add that to mine? Yeah. <laughs> yep, I think I'm good. <laughs> you're like, y'all, y'all give me a lot of material for the, for the clip, so keep, keep at it. All right, here we go. Hello, I am Pete. Oh, sorry about that. I have. I'm just going to mute you. (laughs) I was about to say she's a serial interrupter.
This is Kitty from Bitches Get Riches. <laughs> this is Kitty from BitchesGetRiches.com. I know how to speak, and that's why I'm on the What's Up Next podcast. I'm so going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> this is Piggy. And this is Kitty. And we're from Bitches.com. No, we? Nope, we're not. <laughs> we're not. We're really nope, not. not quite. I was about to say, that might be a porn site. Uh, yeah, don't we, go to that one. Yeah. Don't please know my name is please don't get any financial advice from Bitches.com <laughs> until we have had a chance to go peep at that. I mean, it might be great. We don't know. Just, just um, don't peep at it with your work computer. You know, I just want to point out for the record that usually I'm the one with the shitty audio quality, so this is really refreshing. <laughs> Today is the worst day for me because I have real work and two foster dogs, so it's just like a whirlwind, but we're dealing. We're going to make this the best day after that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you've listened to our podcast, I know we've only released one episode so far, but we fuck up the ending every time when we yeah. got it and coordinated so uh, yeah, this is very on, just on brand kind of part, just kind of part of it right very on brand yes <laughs> but have you forgotten to hit record yet oh uh, not yet oh, we're sure. saving that for our best possible episode <laughs> steve steve thanks for like now i'm gonna end up doing that thank you i appreciate that we have hey, you're not you're not initiated initiated into podcasting until you've forgotten to hit record in general i object to being called an esteemed guest. I think this is the result of a miscommunication. <laughs> <laughs> you got the wrong girl. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just going to go first to say, Pete, can I join your cult? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Steve, I'm curious on your thought versus uh, serialization versus seasons. And I'm also curious, do you remember the advice that you gave these two? At I, ha- I have no idea what I said and I apologize uh-huh. for every word of it. <laughs> so Pete, I'm going to ask this question to everyone, but I'm going to start with you. Help our audience out here, our future podcasters. What will make a podcast stand out in 2020? Oh, Lord have mercy. It's my favorite <laughs> subject ever. Yes, this is good. Well, I thanks for kids, so not much more is coming. Oh, down so you're the, staying busy. <laughs> yeah. well, thanks, thanks for being on here. Thank Steve, you. will you shout out the price of your course? Because I want people to know it's like incredibly affordable. Uh well, I was gonna change the price. So 50 bucks oh, is what it's at now, <laughs> but it's going up by now, because by the end of the year it'll be ninety-nine. <laughs> there you go. Even even still worth it, but ten times that. We're we're creating urgency for your product. <laughs> Act now. Don't delay. <laughs> One or two. What? <laughs> <laughs> One or two per minute. Honestly, let's let's be real. Yes, yeah. per, per minute. minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think this was I counted a really it. hard interview to do because I was like trying to hold in all the F-bombs and I look like I'm on the Blair Witch Project I'm <laughs> in my hallway coat closet, but I think the sound is good, sound right? Is- it's all that matters, right? It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you managed to successfully interrupt Pete and in, in distracting from his, his answer. <laughs> yeah, and he's exactly. a pro. He's a pro. Yeah, I was about to say, if you can interrupt Pete, you're pretty much, you, you've done your job. You are having this epic fight with this drawstring, <laughs> which just kept dropping down in front of your face. I yeah, will- here it is. Here's the fucking drawstring. <laughs> just going to leave it there now. <laughs> so I learned two things. So that D- Doc and I, uh, w- one thing we're doing wrong is we're not drinking enough whiskey. There you go. Yeah, that's, and I forgot the other thing because I, I just said whiskey. <laughs> because you weren't drinking any whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
We we really wanted to see how much drunkards you guys really were because we figured if you <laughs> if you if you kicked one back before this, that was going to be really impressive. Uh, Next no, time, no, Next but time. I really guzzled that coffee. <laughs> and this will probably, uh, as it stands now, like December thirtieth is when it might right? <laughs> right before my course right. doubles in price. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> People have like thirty seconds to sign up for Steve's new course. Yeah, run, so, don't walk. I'm so. I, I also. I have no idea what any of that meant. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's why, like, that's that's why like you need me. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's really nice to hear your voices because it it's so fits what we read. So it it, it's nice to hear. Thank you. It's even funnier, right? <laughs> it's even better. Even better. <laughs> I think. Thanks, I think, right? Yeah, they don't know you very well if they think you're not being sarcastic. Life, life is too nasty, brutish, and short to take yourself seriously all the time. So. Right. Steve, get better, man. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. It's been three days. I'm thinking I might call the doc, even though I'm getting better. But uh, do- Doctors don't know anything. Why call that? <laughs> I guess I talked to a doc today. It should be fine. No, I yeah, there you go. Eat an apple. There right? you go. Most, yeah. things, most things get better if you wait long enough or you die. Awesome. Thanks Thank again. You. you guys rock. Thanks guys. Thanks, guys. I have guys. to go to my day job. Quit. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 September. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.